Hello. I'm going to talk today about a subject that's a little difficult, coping with bereavement. There's a story about Buddha that a woman came to him once, grieving because her son had died, and asking him if he could perform a miracle and bring her son back to life. Well, masters do perform miracles, and even bringing someone back to life is not unheard of. We know of cases far beyond just the life of Jesus of uh, bringing people back to life. In fact, my own teacher did it at least on two occasions that I know of, Paramahansa Yogananda. But there was a deeper lesson in this, too. Buddha said, bring me a bottle of oil, a particular kind of oil. And the woman was so pleased because she thought, oh, this will be easy. Then Buddha said, however, it was necessary, a necessary condition, that she bring it from a household that had not seen death. She came back after several days, grieving because she had not been able to find a single household that had not seen death. And Buddha smiled at her compassionately, but she understood. We all have to suffer bereavement. I remember a, a very sad time for me was when my mother died. She was very dear to me. And something beautiful happened some years later. In fact, it was she died about six years ago, and this only happened last year. She had her birthday, and I had wanted to pray for her on her birthday. And that day I had some real problems with my heart. It was going very fast and then skipping beats, and I just didn't know if I'd last the night. And uh, after some time of this, I remembered I was uh, wanting, I'd been wanting to pray for her, and I just wasn't able to pray even properly. And I ended up praying to her instead of for her. Do you know something very interesting? Within just a matter of seconds, my heart became completely normal. I believe that those whom we've lost, especially those who were good people, spiritually inclined people, as my mother was, that they, they are with us even now. That bereavement is not the reality that we think it is. It's really like somebody just going out of the room for a while, somebody going to another country, but not out of our lives and out of our orbit forever. In fact, if we, if we grieve for people who have died, what we really do, if you believe in this, and if you don't, I'll just tell you what I, I uh, consider to be more than just belief. We hold them down by our grief. They need to be free to enter into their new life. But in that realm, people's consciousness is much more acute they communicate more by consciousness. They feel more the thoughts of other people. And your grief for them is uh, its difficult for them. We can't not grieve for somebody we love. That's only natural. But we should also, if we really love them, remember that too much grief is, is selfish. We should be giving them freedom. We should be giving them love. We should be helping them to soar in that other world. Remember, ultimately, that bereavement has great lessons in it for each one of us. It helps us to understand that life is change, that we can't cling to an old, 
and comfortable reality. It also helps us to see, if we will take it deeply enough, that all the people in our lives, and we included, are waves on the ocean of a greater consciousness. That if we could see deeply enough, we would understand that really it's God loving us through those who are dear to us. His love is expressed through them and then is taken back so that we can look to him and not be identified with the limited expression. No expression of joy, of love, of kindness, of sweetness, none of these defines the totality of those realities. One person expresses joy in order to help us to understand that joy is infinite. One person expresses love in order to help us to realize that love is cosmic, eternal. And so we tend, unfortunately for ourselves, to turn it the other way around and to think this defines love. Through this person, I've come to know what love is. Therefore, to me, love is this person. Well, that's a kind of idol worship. We need to grow beyond those confines. We need to see in every good thing a reminder of the infinity of which that good thing is only an expression. Another thing is that the death of loved ones is a means also of helping us to grow and to express that which God chooses to express through us. Somebody came to me, some sort of wacky theory he had, that uh, would make it possible for people to live forever. And he wanted me to sort of get into this and find out more about it and so on. I, I said, you know, I'm not at all in favor of people living forever. Just think of the poor young artist starting out today if he had Michelangelo still there painting away to beat the band. It would be a discouraging hypnosis, wouldn't it, that 400, 500 years of this painter, all the skills he's developed, all the mastery he's developed, what on earth could I contribute with my 20, 25 years of life? We need to clear the deck so that new things can come. Moreover, we become in ourselves, and ultimately we're the ones who will make other people feel bereaved. It's a salutary thought. People are afraid of death. Why be afraid? First of all, it's inevitable. Secondly, nobody's, many people have had the experience of temporary death, and some great saints have come back from actual death, and they've spoken of it as a glorious state. If you don't believe in these things, well, I'm sorry for you, because you're, you're selling yourself short. If you are conscious, it's because there's consciousness there to express itself through your little brain and personality. If you are anything, it's because there's something there to be expressed through you. You don't define it, you don't create it, uh, you don't in, didn't invent yourself even. You sort of molded what was there to make what you think is yourself. But you are, as it says in the old Hermetic uh, writings, thou art of old, O son of man, yea, of everlasting. One wonderful belief, and really the only thing that makes any philosophical sense, is reincarnation. The thought that we come back again and again and again to work out these things, the realization that thought, that consciousness, is behind the brain. 
operating through the brain, but not defined by the brain. You know, there were three cases I know of that were extremely uh, well-known in Europe. I don't think that in this skeptical country it would even get a hearing, but these things in Europe, they had sound medical testimony in back of them. There were three students in different colleges. They actually were in college. They weren't just vegetables who were found to have no brains. How is that possible? We think of brainless as stupid, don't we? They weren't stupid. How could they even think? It's a mystery. But they had done certain neurological tests on them as they uh, normally did on people, or perhaps they found that they didn't coordinate exactly well enough, and so they did these tests. Whatever it was, it led to this final discovery. How is it possible? Well, it's only possible if you understand that there is a consciousness behind it, that this brain is like a computer, but a computer, too, needs someone to operate it. And the deeper self is something that outlives this body, that is not defined by the body, and that creates new bodies again and again, as it says in the Indian scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, that when you have a desire, you have to fulfill that desire. That's a direction of energy. And you will come back into this world again and again until all your desires have been fulfilled. All your little psychological kinks have been worked out. And that is why some people are born already geniuses. Mozart was composing music at the age of three or five. Some people just automatically uh, know things that other people have to study years to, uh, to accomplish, to, to, to know, to understand. And so it is that uh, we are not this body. One, uh, those people who have gone into deep meditation, as St. Paul says, uh, I, he said, I die daily. That means he could stop his heart, he could stop his breath, and do what great yogis do also, which is to go outside the body and discover that he is living without the body, but able to move around without having to move his muscles, his feet, his hands, his eyes. Well, when you know this, then you know that bereavement is really only a temporary thing. Someday you will be gone and other people will be missing you. And you'll be looking at them and wanting to help them. You know that the more open you are, the more you can receive the thoughts of loved ones. In, in uh, your dreams, maybe you've, you've had certain insights. Maybe they've come to you and told you certain things. I know of many cases like this where uh, a mother would warn her son that uh, don't do such and such. It's, it's dangerous for you. And he listened, and then he discovered later that had he done it, it would have been a fatal accident or a, a great trauma in his life. So it is that we do receive help, and we're not nearly so far from the people we've lost as it appears to be. It would really be a good practice every day to pray for them, and in the, as in the case with me, pray to them and see how close you can be. I've always loved something my singing teacher said to me back when I was in college. I had been in love with some girl who turned out to be married, and it was a great tragedy for me. And uh, I was sort of uh, looking low and feeling low when I went for my singing lesson. And uh, 
I, I can't say that what she said pleased me, but I've always remembered it. She asked me what was the matter, and I told her, and she said, Oh, puppy love. Then she said, My husband and I were married for 50 years, and he's been dead now for 10. She was an old woman, you can tell. And she says he's more with me now than he ever was. And she spoke with such conviction that I couldn't feel that she was just a little old dotty fool. There seemed to be knowledge in what she said. But she said, that's what love is. When you can be so close that even when your bodies are apart, you're not apart. And when you live that close to people, you know what they're thinking, even when they're in another country. Many times you'll have that kind of experience where they have a need and you understand it. They have some experience they've gone to and you'll be uneasy until you've phoned them and talked to them and maybe offered them help or whatever it might be. So remember that bereavement is really, uh, it's something in our minds. It's not a reality. This body that you're living in is not who you really are. It wouldn't hurt, as I said, every day to think that someday you're going to have to give up this body. I remember taking a shower once and just thinking this arm that I'm washing will someday be ashes. You might think that's a morbid thought, but to me it wasn't. It was liberating. Because this body will grow old if I hang on to it long, long enough. It's old already. It'll get older. It'll probably become infirm. I may lose my ability to think clearly. I may lose my memory. I may lose the ability to walk around. Who knows? This body is a, is a very tricky thing. You can just have one fall and become a paraplegic for life. But if you aren't this body, if you are something else, and if these people whom you love, if you know them to be something else, working through this the way actors will work through their body seeming to be someone else, um, the way you talk through a mask when you put one on. If you can understand that, then what the great saints in the different religions have all said becomes reasonable to you. They say that when you leave this body, you remember not only your friends, at least when you grow spiritually enough to really be aware on that side, you remember not only your friends and loved ones of this life, but of all the lives you've ever lived. You see that they've changed their outward form, but that inward self remains the same through all those forms. And Buddha said that one reason that we ought to love everybody in this world is that at one time or another, all those people have been close to you. And so you find that this gives you a reason even for cosmic love. Don't allow your mind to be shaken by the griefs that come. Because we look to the past and we think of all those dear, wonderful moments we've had with the people we've lost. And if it's your parents, it's all your life you've known them. And if they've been, if their relationship with you and yours with them has been sweet, then surely it's painful. Can't be anything but. But if we think rather in a positive sense, if we think that these came from God and these are a part of God, and if we use bereavement as a reminder that he is our ultimate and only beloved, then we always have freedom. We don't feel indifferent. Yogananda was a great saint, 
And yet he grieved when his mother died. He grieved for his father's death, for his sisters and brothers. But it was grief on a certain level. It wasn't a grief that touches the soul. It wasn't an abandonment of grief. And here's what happens when you become highly advanced spiritually, as he was. He was able to go into the other world. There was a friend of his who died of cancer of the breast. And he was very serious. And someone said, don't, don't be moody. And he said, this isn't moods. It was a serious expression, experience. It wasn't something to laugh about. But he sat down in meditation and prayed for that person. And he left his body. And he actually saw that person in the other world, being led away by an angel and looking marvelingly at the flowers in that world, which are so much more beautiful than the flowers in this world. And she saw him, but she wasn't enough evolved right away to remember him. And then he just touched her on the forehead and she remembered. And she said, oh, I'll never forget you again. And so sometimes there's a forgetfulness for a while, and then that memory begins to come back. But, uh, uh, and then she opened up her, her uh, uh, blouse or whatever she was wearing and said, look, that terrible cancer is gone. We don't have to carry the pains of this world with us into that world. Depending on how we live, Yogananda used to say that even if you meditate a little bit, you will be able to go into worlds a thousand times more beautiful than the most lovely meadows, the most beautiful places in this world. This is an experience which could sound like sentimentalism. If people hadn't come back and described it, if they hadn't lived it, if it hadn't been so real to them that it had an influence on the entire rest of their lives, anything that has that real, that much of an impact, that real an impact, has to be more real than the lesser realities that are influenced by it. And so it is that when you live in your higher self, when you live in God, then you discover that in fact there isn't even that temporary bereavement that people experience in this world. You can reach the point where you can dream and see them more easily, or you can leave this body and be in that world. You can commune with them, you can receive their inspirations and their guidance, and more and more you come to understand that this is a totality, this world, this reality that we're living in, a totality that is a manifestation of the infinite. All of this will come to you the more you love the source of all those separate realities, the more you love God and commune with him in deep and daily meditation. You can be a source of blessing to those whom you, leave, whom you lose, and when you leave, you can be a source of blessings to those whom you leave behind you. Live in that way.